You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. We may not see the answer immediately, but we believe that we will see the answer because God says it's already given to you. And I love that about that. I love that about the Lord. The Lord told Joshua, every place you put your foot, I've given to you. Listen to that. This is confidence in faith, the evidence of things not seen. And I love this. Here we see God, the creator of the universe, witnessing to us that not only has he heard our prayers, but he's answering our prayers. Have you ever had to wait for something you wanted? Everyone has. In today's message, Pastor Dave explains that even if we ask for something from God and don't see results right away, we are actually promised that we will still see something eventually if the thing we asked for is in God's will. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 5 as he continues his message, Blessed Assurance. There is no other activity where the Bible holds this kind of promise. It doesn't care if you're rich or if you're poor, if you're educated or not educated, if you're powerful or not powerful. The only thing that is needed is that you stand before God in righteousness through Jesus Christ and pray fervently in simple faith with all expectancy. God himself will see to it that that person And his prayer will avail much. Prayer is simply talking to God. But as simple as it is, I want to repeat that it is the most awesome and powerful act that we can ever perform in our human body. Look through the Bible. Read the word of God and find all these men and women of great prayer. Joshua prayed and the sun stood still. Daniel prayed night and day. Three times a day he would pray. Even against the king's wishes, he would set up time to pray. David, the mighty warrior and bearer, also was one of prayer. In fact, he journaled his prayers, and they're given to us. They're called the book of Psalms. Elijah, described as a man with like nature. He had like nature with us. What did he do? Lord, Let it stop raining or no more rain. It didn't rain. Lord, let it rain. And it rained. New Testament. One of the four pillars of the early church. Prayer. Four pillars of the early church was prayer. And when they prayed with expectant hearts, incredible things happened. The apostle Paul was in constant prayer. Praying without ceasing. These are great examples for us. And of course, there's no greater example than Jesus himself, who constantly pulled away from the crowd to pray to the Father. In fact, he even taught his disciples to pray. Of all the things the disciples could ask for, of all the things the disciples could want, 
What did they say? Jesus, teach us to pray. You know, prayer is not just a weapon for battle either. If you read through the scriptures, think of all the healings that occurred in scripture. Think of all the dead that were raised. Think of how many times the lion's mouth were closed or provisions were remade, all with a result of prayer. I might say that Esther had an audience with the king because of prayer. There is no greater resource available to humans than prayer. And that's a God-revealed fact to us through the word. So my question is today, why don't we pray more? Why is it that almost everywhere you go, the least attended thing of the church is the prayer meeting? Why is it that some profession Christians barely pray at all? Why is it that we often think about prayer until our head hits the pillow and then we're so far out of whack that we just fall asleep? Why does prayer seem like the last resort? And we have a saying around here. We always kid each other. Somebody says, we got to pray. And we'll go, has it come to that? (laughs) You know, in our verses this morning, John wants us to have confidence in our prayers. He wants us to be confident when we pray. So he says in 14 verse A, now this is the confidence that we have in him. But in order to have this confidence, if you will, We have to meet certain conditions. And I read this throughout the Bible. The first condition is found in verse 13. These things I've written to you that you, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. This is the first condition that has to be met for God to hear prayers. The born again experience. If you're born again of the Spirit, believing in the name of Jesus, the Son of God, if you've accepted his sacrifice on the cross and believe that God raised him on the third day, you're now a child of God and have been given eternal life. This gives you confidence when you pray. In fact, I think the prayer, the, the prayer that will be heard by the unsaved is, Lord, save me. That's the prayer that's going to be heard. In addition... John says this in 1 John 3, 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So he says, our heart condemned us. How does our heart condemn us? Well, there's a lot of ways our heart can condemn us all, all the way through scriptures. And I've, I've tagged some of them, and I'm going to try to find them if I can, in Psalm 66. In Psalm 66, verse 18. In Psalm 66, verse 18, it says, Aha! Snuck up on me. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. 1 Peter 3, 7. 1 Peter 3, 7 says this. Husbands, likewise, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Jesus says in John 15, verse 7. He says, 
If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what your desire and it shall be done for you. So there's conditions on prayer. There's conditions. Now, I'm not saying we're going to walk around sinless because we're all going to sin and fall short of the glory of God, but we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And in him, we can come to the Father with all diligence and all confidence because John continues and says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And this is the huge condition that he lays on us. When James was talking about prayer, what did he say in James 4? You have not because you ask not. But when you ask, you ask amiss. You ask for personal gain. You ask for personal reasons. See, some have an idea that God is some kind of genie in a Bible, in a, in a bile. bottle. <laughs> bottle. No, he's not. He doesn't grant us three wishes. And the prayer is to get God's will done. Even Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples to pray, say, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I have this confidence in prayer that if I ask according to his will, he hears me. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, that's great, Dave. That's really good about praying. But if the only thing I ask for is what God wanted to do, why do I have to ask? Why do I have to pray? If my prayers can only be answered according to his will, then why bother praying? That's a very good question. And I have wondered often what the answer might be, but the conclusion I've come to is that it touches on the most fundamental mistakes we can make in the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer that we think in our spiritual immaturity is we want to change God to our thinking. So if I pray real hard, God is going to change to my thinking. That's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is to change you to God's thinking. I'll repeat that. The purpose of prayer to change you into what God is thinking, into what God wants. Not only must we be in God's will, but our whole purpose must be to seek his will. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 1.11, he works all things according to the counsel of his will. And so our asking must be in conformity with the way he works all things. We have to be careful, just like James said, and not ask amiss. Many of us say, not your will, Lord, my will. I want this, and I should have it. I found in my life, that when our prayers line up with the will of God, incredible things happen. <laughs> incredible things happen. And it's interesting that God does not need us to pray to make him to do anything. He doesn't even need us to pray as a way of getting information from us on what's going on in the world. The Bible tells us that God is in need of desperate information. He doesn't need that from you. Could we ever be so arrogant to think that we know enough about the situations that we're going to give God advice? In fact, in Psalm 139.4 says there's not a word on our tongue that God doesn't know it already. He knows your prayers before you utter them. He knows your needs perfectly even before you speak them. One thing I found about prayer 
you can be sure that after you pray, God's not going to say, thank you very much, I didn't know that. (laughs) Prayer conforms us to God's will so that his power can freely then work through us. When we're praying in God's will, we have confidence. We have confidence that he hears us. Read through the Psalms. How many times does David begin his psalm? Lord, hear my prayer. Lord, attend unto my prayer. Lord, give ear to my prayer. Lord, your servant cries out to you. Please hear me. When we pray in God's will, we have the confidence, John says, that God hears. God hears. We serve a God who hears. We serve a God who hears. So I guess the next question would be, well, how do we determine the will of God? By reading the Bible. The Bible gives us the will of God. It says in Ephesians 5, 17, not to be unwise, but to understand what God's will is. And we gain this understanding through our study of Scripture. The Bible plainly tells us what God's will is. For example, it's not willing, God's not willing that any would perish. 2 Peter 3, 9. So if you're praying for repentance of the lost, you're praying according to God's will. Our sanctification in 1 Thessalonians 4.3, for this is the will of God, your sanctification. So when you're praying for holiness and you're praying to be Christ-like, that's God's will. And once again, in John 6, Jesus says these words in, in, in verse 40. And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So if you're praying for people to see Christ in you, that is God's will. One of our favorite passages that we talk about, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. In everything, give thanks. Why? Because it's the will of God. In Christ Jesus. Are your prayers an expression of thanks to God? Or how about this? For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the foolishness of men, the ignorance, in 1 Peter 2. Do you pray that your behavior will bear witness for Christ at home, at your workplace, at school, wherever you may be? Think of what the prayer teaches us, for it is it better if we, for the will of God to suffer to doing good than to doing evil. Do you pray about those times when you suffer for faith? Or do you pray for your brothers and sisters who suffer in the other parts of the world because of their faith? There's so many people right now suffering because of their faith. Look to the China. Look to Iran, look to North Korea, look to the African nations. There's so many people who are suffering for their faith. And dare I say, folks, it might not be too long before we here in America begin to suffer for our faith. The Bible is full of expressions of God's will, very clear statements. So when we faithfully study the Bible and learn that God has already told us about his will, we can ask according to his will. We can ask according to his will. Mark's been leading the Freedom Through Christ gang through first. Of Ephesians 1, and he started in verse 15 through verse 22, is this gorgeous, beautiful prayer that Paul is praying for the church. And he has not yet, nor will he pray for any material thing. 
It's all about what they have in Jesus Christ, that that would come forth. That's a beautiful prayer. That's a beautiful prayer. We need to pray that way with all fervency. And then John takes it up a notch. He takes it up a notch and gives you even greater assurance in verse 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that have, we have asked of him. What great confidence that John has given us here. He hears, and I've received the petitions desired of him. And it's interesting. Remember we talked about the, the verb to know? We had that gnosko knowing, and here it's the verb ito, which means to be sure. Assurance, we know. And notice one thing. It's been given to us. You have it. So when you pray, believe that it's been given to you. You might not get it right away. It may take a long time. But believe that it might be given to you. Faith. Faith. Like they used to say in Kelly's Heroes, have a little faith, baby. Come on. That's a good show. Come on. We may not see the answer immediately, but we believe that we will see the answer because God says it's already given to you. And I love that about that. I love that about the Lord. The Lord told Joshua, every place you put your foot, I've given to you. Listen to that. This is confidence in faith, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I love this. Here we see God, the creator of the universe, witnessing to us that not only has he heard our prayers, but he's answering our prayers. We have this confidence in faith that if we ask in his will, he hears. And if he hears me, then I've received the petitions that I've asked him. If I'm not asking according to his will, he's not going to be good enough and gracious enough to let me listen. However, I have gotten things that he hasn't wanted me to have. I've been persistent in my prayer, demanding that I get something, demanding that it be his will to get it when it wasn't his will. And after about the 14th or 15th or 16,000th time that I've prayed like a little spoiled brat, he says, okay, you can have this. And after three days, I'm going, Lord, take this away. (laughs) I'm so thankful for the unanswered prayers that he didn't give me. And I'm so, so thankful for the answer prayers that he did give me. Had he answered all my prayers, man, I'd be a mess. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, I would be a mess. So I have confidence in prayer that if I ask anything according to his will, because that's the purpose of prayer, to get his will done, that's the thrust of prayer, God, your will be done. What did Jesus pray? Jesus was in the garden three times praying, Lord, be another way. Can we let this cup pass? He was talking about the cross. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will. Jesus wanted the Father's will. And you know what? I know in your hearts, everyone here wants the Father's will. Everyone here wants the Father's will. John says, If we pray according to his purpose, we will get that. You know, folks, what breathing is to a physical man, prayer is to the spiritual man. If we don't pray, we fall faint. 
when Peter and John and James didn't pray when Jesus asked them to, Jesus said, you're not praying, you're going to fall into temptation. Prayer is not only an utterance of my lips, it's also a desire in my heart. It's also a desire in my heart. Paul exhorts us to pray without ceasing many, many times. When we pray without ceasing, there is an attitude in our heart as well as in our mouth. And I love what David said in Psalm 19, beautiful psalm that David says this, where this comes together. Remember, praying without ceasing, there's an attitude of the heart as well as the words of the mouth. David says in Psalm 19, 14, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Wow. Wow. The psalmist also prayed in Psalm 49, verse 3. He says, my mouth shall speak wisdom and the meditation of my heart shall give me understanding. The Christian whose heart is fixed upon Jesus Christ and trying to glorify him is praying constantly even when he is not conscious of it. As we close this morning, I want to remind you that prayer is not self-hypnosis, nor do we pray to make us feel better, although usually we do after we pray. We pray because God commanded us to pray and because it is God's appointed means for the believer to receive what God wants to give you. I've told you the story a million times, and you know what? I'm going to repeat it. I don't care. You get to heaven and he takes you to a closet and he opens a door and for as far as the eye can see are beautiful packages all wrapped with beautiful bows and all kinds of beautiful things. And you go, what are these? These are the things I wanted to give you but you didn't ask. God wants to give his children good gifts. God wants to give his children what they want. But he wants it to be according to his will so his kingdom can be advanced. Prayer keeps the Christian in the will of God. And living in the will of God keeps the Christian in a place of great blessing and great service. We're not beggars. You're children of the Most High God. And you're going to a good, good father and asking a father who loves you so much that he sent his son to die on a cross for you to come and become one of his child children. He says, you're saying to God in your prayer, Lord, what do I need to accomplish your will? What is it that I need to accomplish your will? That's what I want. That's what I want. And every one of you wants that. Remember, Jesus, depending on prayer, even though he was God in the flesh. Throughout the gospel records, we see Jesus praying during all occasions. I'm going to leave you with this. If the sinless Son of God needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? You are this has been another edition of A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank. Thanks for tuning in. Sometimes it's helpful to know what your boundaries are, what the acceptable parameters are for living your life. In this book, John made it clear to those he was writing to the differences or contrasts between light and dark. 
truth versus lies, and Christ versus the Antichrist. These are opposites of one another, because like all of life, there is a constant reminder of good and evil, of sin and righteousness. Throughout God's Word, He provides clues and instructions of what things are good and right. He also gives warning of what's wrong and sinful. So John's writing is a reminder of the boundaries God's put in place for your benefit. This is not any kind of punishment or consequence. On the contrary, it's to give you more freedom and to allow you to live life to the fullest here on earth and beyond. Is your heart waging war between these things that John has written about? Are you wrestling between loving the world and loving God? If you'd like to talk to someone about the things that you've heard today, please don't hesitate to call us at 609-884-5821. Again, that number is 609-884-5821. Keep looking to Scripture for answers and know that we care about the journey you're on. We're so glad you tuned in to Assure Hope today. Feel free to listen to more messages like this on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Be sure to join us again next time here on Assure Hope.